As you join us this morning, you know if you watched last week and you're part of our regular family uh, that views by television that we began our Restore series going through the book of Ezra this summer. However, in light of a lot of circumstances and events that have happened in our country, we felt like a church as family of grace that we needed to stop and clarify a few things for you. One, we want to remind you that with all the chaos, uh, with all the racial uh, strife and all of the uh, conflicts and confusion around the issue of gay marriage and the Supreme Court ruling, today it really didn't change the ministry of Family of Grace because Family of Grace exists to break through racial, social, cultural, generational, economical barriers to help people find their place in the body of Christ. At Family of Grace, we love people for where they are, and we believe that God has a great plan for them. I hope this message will help give you some insight into our heart and answer the question, how then shall we live? If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 8. I believe this message will give you some great strength. This is a hard saying. Family of Grace exists to reach across racial, cultural, social, economical, generational, and sexual barriers now to help healthy people who have it all together become all that God intended for them to be, hurting people that think they can never measure up, never be good enough for God to become all that he has intended for them to be. That is a hard saying. We are destined to be a church, the bride of Christ, that is made up of every ethnic group, every uh, walk of life. We are, it, it's hard. That's why most churches don't have this for their mission statement. Because it's easier to reach people who are like us. Behind us is our map of our city. And as you look at every one of these colors on this map, where the colors meet, represent boundaries. Many of them are invisible. You can't see them. There's no physical fence. But sometimes the boundaries are greater than the Berlin Wall was. Because they're unpenetrable by the theory, the theory and the cunningness of man. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to scale any wall conquer any barrier but you have to live intentionally and as things began to unfold with the tragedy of the shooting in the church in South Carolina it was so surreal for me I've just I've just crossed the 18 year mark of being a pastor and that pastor who was gunned down had just crossed the 18 year mark he began when he was 23 I was 23 he was 41, I was, I am 41. It was so surreal. And my heart began to just be so heavy. Because, and then in the middle of brokenness, we want to, we want to take away and put the spotlight on things of the past instead of the problem of the future. Yes, Yes, segregation, yes, racial strife, yes, slavery, yes, all those things 
are horrific things from our past, but they're in our past. And God is looking for somebody to rise up in the present and say, this is the way, let's walk in it. What was in our past doesn't have to define our future. Where we began doesn't have to be where we end. And God is looking for somebody who believes in the power of the resurrection to say, I believe that God is alive and well and I am going to follow him. In my ministry, about three or four times that I can point to a defining message. A defining, definitive message for the hour. Today is one of those. One of them was when the church I was pastoring just burnt to the ground with a new facility. And it seemed like the church was in despair. And oh my goodness, what will we do? And that was a defining moment in my ministry some 15 years, I mean some 10 years ago now. And then I remember it was a defining moment on the first Saturday night that a few handful of believers gathered for the first corporate worship service of Family of Grace. And then there was a defining moment what I would do on the Sunday when religion had thrown me away and said, you need to fall on your sword. You don't need to preach anymore because you're divorced and there's no good for you and and you're done with the ministry. That next Sunday was a defining moment in my ministry. It was a defining message for my life. And then today, I feel like this is a defining message. I feel like it's a defining moment. In fact, I, 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 I even text my girls this morning. I said, I really want you to pray for me today. Is they're not here? And I said, this is one of the defining moments. It defines who we are. And what happens is we're looking for a direction. And we look at the ruling of the Supreme Court and we say, well, that was a hard saying. That's a hard decision. Matter of fact, our newspaper headlines read yesterday, love wins. And you know, the only problem with this headline is it was 2,000 years too late. Because love won 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary when Jesus laid down his life for every person who was ever born in the world. Every man, woman, boy and girl, the pink and green, the meanest ones you've ever seen, the good, the bad and the ugly. Jesus went to the cross for them and he laid down his life for them. Love had already conquered all. So what does that mean for us? Well, I went to the scriptures and I thought about the passage of scripture that everybody was quoting out of context. Where Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Everybody was quoting that. Facebook blowing up with that. But the only problem is they forgot the latter solution of that. Where it says, go and sin no more. Yes, he loves us. The hard part for you and I as a believer is to walk the tight line. And so... In light of what's happening in our world, in light of people stirring up, I'm telling you, in light of them stirring up racial hostilities like never before, we have to guard our hearts because we believe God has called us to be a multicultural, multi-ethnic church that we would represent, that we would look like our city and that our city looks like heaven because when you get to heaven, there's not going to be any different sections, but it will be one huge section and the only section will say redeemed, the redeemed section. There will be no other section. So how then shall we live? Well, Jesus wanting to take his disciples deeper said those exact words. I want you to abide in me. I want you to go deeper in John chapter 6. And you can turn there this morning because we're going to spend a little bit of time right here in John 6. 
and then in John 6 and, and uh, uh, you know, verse, he tells a story, man, you must eat of my body and drink of my blood. And they say, Lord, this is a hard saying. And he said, does this offend you? Does this offend you? So the question for me is, that God began to lay on my heart as your pastor, I just began to feel such a burden because everywhere I went, people were talking about all the things that I just named. They were talking about what things do we erase from our past. Listen, you can do away with every monument, with every indication of your past, but the one thing that you can't do away with is the memory of your past. It's still there. It doesn't matter. The past is the past, but the past doesn't have to dictate your future. The past will only dictate your future if you live in the past. If you live in the past, the past determines your future. But if you are willing to say, God, I am willing to follow you, trust you, and obey you. If you said my past is in my past, Lord, I can do something that you choose not to do. That's remember. Lord, if you said you put them in the depths of the sea and cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them no more. Lord, then I stand in agreement with you. I don't want my past to determine my future. I want my future to be determined by your purpose and your will. So what does that mean for us? Well, does it offend you? Are we offended? Everybody likes to quote Matthew 24 where it says in the last days there will be nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, and all those things. These will be the sign leading up to the end times. And But what nobody ever talks about, it says in the last days it will be possible that nobody will be offended. I'm, I, you know, I'm just of the group. I'm, I'm offended that everybody's offended. You know, but I can't take offense because offense deposits a root of bitterness in you. The root of bitterness puts its tentacles in you and begins to destroy everything around you. So what does that mean for us? I mean, listen, guys, it didn't just get bad. It was, look at these couple of things that happened for Jesus. I mean, the great 666 verse. John 666 says, And many of them walked with him no more. And he turned to the twelve and said, Well, if you want to get out, now is your time to get out. Immediately after the ruling, I went there and I talked to our staff and I said, Well, you better decide if you're in this for a calling or a vocation. If you're in a vocation, you may want to find a new one. If it's a calling, you better get ready to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. You see, the thing about it is, what is God saying? I mean, the Jews hated Jesus. They said, they were toying, could this be the Messiah? No, it's not the Messiah. Could it be? No, no. Well, it can't be because he came from Galilee. Right there. Where you're from determined where he was going. Does that sound familiar? You can't, you can't achieve that. You live over here. You came from that neighborhood. You came from this or that. Listen, I don't care where you come from. God already ordained where you were going, and all you have to do is agree with what he agreed with, and he'll have you a superstar. The Jews hated him. His brothers didn't believe in him. In John 7 and 5, John 7, 12 through 13, some said Jesus is good, and they said, wait, no, Jesus is bad. Jesus called to cause divisions. And so we have to ask ourselves, what now, how then shall we live? People are making one of two choices. You may want to write this down. 
in light of everything that's happening this week, the issue of our history of the past over things from the Civil War and those things of our hard past, terrorism, and now the ruling from the Supreme Court, people are making one of two decisions. They're either deciding I'm going to fight or flight when God hadn't called you to do either one. He didn't call you to fight. I mean, Peter wanted to fight, you remember? Pulled out his sword, cut the ear of Malchus off, and Jesus reached over and healed it, healed it and basically said, boy, put that thing up or you hurt yourself. If it had been in the 1950s, he'd have said, son, you're going to shoot your eye out. Put that sword up. If I needed an army, dude, I could call down somebody better than a fisherman to fight for me. The other mentality is, you know, I mean, you, you're going to sign, I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to be hateful. I'm going to be negative. I'm going to post, blow up my Facebook with all the negativity and all those things. I understand that. I even had my moment like that last week. And I mean, I blew up my Facebook right there. Bless God if, you know, you want your, uh, you know, God, God created the rainbow. If you want your flag, that one's already got a copyright on it in heaven. Get you another one. Then I had to go take it off. Because God ain't calling me to fight his battle. He's calling me to live as salt and light in a fallen world. But he's not calling me to run. So some people will want to jump up and they'll want to fight. Now that doesn't mean you shouldn't stand up. It doesn't mean you shouldn't vote right. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make your voice. But it doesn't mean that you should become hateful, spiteful, and vindictive. Or you can flight. Listen, the church is not an island. It's not a place that we run for isolation and protect us from the bad things in the world. Uh, unfortunately, that's what it has become. It's not the place that we run to and we pull the covers up over our heads and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, please let the rapture come. Please let the rapture come quickly, Lord. No, He is calling us to live in a counterculture type way. To encounter the culture and begin to influence for the glory of God. How in the world do you do that, preacher? Well... In light of all those things that have happened just in our life this week. How then shall we live? Well, let's look at the passage of scripture that everybody's talking about in John 8. The Bible says this in John 8. Early in the morning, he went back to the temple in verse 2. And he began to teach. And all of a sudden, in verse 3, in the middle of his sermon. Boy, talk about living up the church service. They drag a woman in the middle of the temple and throw her down there. And said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And when this thing began to happen, all of a sudden, they showed up with rocks in one hand and adulterer in the other. And they said, Moses, we said we could stone this girl. What do you say? So testing him so that they could trap him. And Jesus said, Jesus said, go ahead. The first one, whoever, whoever can go first, whoever doesn't have sin. The Bible says right here in verse 9, they were convicted in their heart, in their conscience. And they began to drop their rocks and walk away because they didn't, their hearts were 
convicted. Jesus told the woman in verse 10, he says, woman, where art thou accusers? And he said, well, she looked up and there she said, Lord, there are none. He said, okay, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So how then shall we live? You know, I was thinking today, messages are being preached all over our country and it could be trying to define marriage and all these fight messages, flight messages, but that's not what God's called Family of Grace to be. He's called us to encounter a culture and be the salt and the light. So there's three things I want you to write down today that I believe in light of where we are is the direction that we need to go. Number one, and I'm not making this up, let's just look at Jesus. Everybody wants to know what would Jesus do, you know. What would he do? Well, here's what he did. He lived in confidence. What does that mean? Guys, in light of the ruling, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your Christianity. It's not the end of everything that you know. Matter of fact, the sun came up Saturday. It came up this morning. Live in confidence. When they brought this adulterer, I mean, Jesus in the middle of his message, they drag a woman in there with an adultery in the very act and a bunch of rocks. And, and they said, well, Moses said we could stone her. What do you say we could do? And what did he say? Did he, did he tense up? Did he get all excited? No, he just stooped down and began to write in the dirt. You know, you talk to people that say, well, when I get to heaven, I want to I ask Jesus this and I want to ask Joshua about this and all these guys. You know what I want to know? What did he write in the dirt? It appeared that he was ignoring them, and so they began to press in even more. And then all of a sudden, while they were pressing in even more, Jesus said, let whoever doesn't have any sin take care of business. And then he stooped down and began to write again in the dirt. He lived in confidence. You should live confidently that if God is for you, who can be against you? You should live in confidence that it doesn't matter what happens by a decree of a president, a pope, or a priest, or a preacher, or anybody else. What does God say? He is the final authority. You know, there used to be that little old saying back in the day, uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, the problem with that is that God said it, and that settles it. Whether we believe it or not, it's all been written, it's all been settled. The Word of God has been settled. Live in, live in confidence. Walk in confidence. Don't act like it's the end of your Christianity. Don't act like all is lost because something happened. What I want you to understand is that God has placed us in this world, in your home, in your city, on your block, in your cubicle, at your school, at your hospital, for such a time as this. To be salt and to be light and to make a difference for the glory of God. It's not your job to clean them. It's not your job to chastise them. It's not our job to judge them. It's our job to love them. It's our job to love every man, woman, boy, and girl the same, the same, the same. The problem with the church is that things have to get bad to get us stirred up. They have to get bad for us to stir, get stirred up. 
The issue of race doesn't displace the Word of God. The issue of our place and beginning doesn't determine your end. The issue of our sin doesn't determine the depth of His grace. Our sin is shallower than the grace and the mercy of God. The problem is, we only get fired up about the things we don't agree with. I mean, just think, guys, if we got fired up, as fired up about fornication as we did homosexuality. Preach, preacher. I mean, just think, if we got fired up about lying and, and, and white lies and manipulation and gossip and backbiting and sowing discard among the brethren as we did the big issues of the day, we wouldn't be where we are. You see, unfortunately, I think we have lived in the flight pattern. If I, if I, if I go back to church and, and, you know, man, if we just have discipleship training and we have choir practice and we have Awanas and we have WMU, I mean, women's meeting, we have men's meeting, we have all these meetings, then, then surely the world will get better. The world will not get better inside the sheetrock. The world will begin to change when you and I begin to live missionally on purpose and living a gospel-centered life in a pagan world for the glory of God. That's how we change the world. Gosh, this isn't even easy preaching. We must live with confidence when traps are being set for you. You must live with confidence when people are asking the hard question, we must live with confidence. We must live with the confidence of God in our life. That no matter what's happening, God's in charge of it. We must understand that all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. We must live with confidence and then we must live with compassion. Jesus had confidence here, but then he had compassion. Look at verse eight and chapter 8 and verse 10. He says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, there are none. There are none. And he said, well, neither do I condemn you. But just go home and don't do that anymore. Please stop. And there were a lot of people that had come to Jesus. I mean, there were people that had come to Jesus. They were recorded to come to Jesus and want what he had, but left with, with without only what they had. I mean, the rich young ruler... I mean, Jesus called him to task, but he went away sad because he wasn't willing to obey. See, we must see past the bondage, past the bondage into their future. Guys, we have to see past the bondage. Hey, if we're going to try to eradicate our country of everything that reminds us of our wicked racial racially incited past you know what we just they just soon launch a nuclear bomb and destroy this whole thing because there's no way you can get rid of it and even when you remove everything the past is still there you still remember it still keeps you up at night so the question is what will i do about it will i let the past dictate my future or will i determine to live victoriously in my future by overcoming the past through jesus christ Live with compassion. We must know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I mean, the Bible says this. Guys, it's not about the person. 
but about the principality. It's not about us versus them. It's not about us versus them. It's not about us fighting them. It's about us loving them. Who is the them? Everybody that has not tasted and seen the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every man, woman, boy, and girl. We must live with compassion. We must not be deceived in fighting the wrong fight. We must make sure that we're fighting the wrong battle. And we must love everybody. We must love everybody all the way to the gates of hell if need be. And that's everybody that doesn't know the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I wonder where we would be as a nation if we got fired up at the house of God over the little things. The big sins. Oh, preacher, we know the big sins. Abortion, homosexuality, all those things. That's big. But what about the one where it says anything not of faith is sin? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The Bible says, for him who knows to do right and doesn't do it is sin. Mm. Oh, yeah, we only want to talk about the sins of commission, the ones you commit, not the sin of omission. How then shall we live? With compassion. With compassion. With compassion. The same compassion. That God had for me when I was a young teenager that allowed him to save my soul and seal me with the Spirit of God is the same compassion that came to me when I was divorced and every religious person in the world walked out on me and said, Wait a minute, son, don't fall on your sword just yet. I'm not finished is the same God that walks the dark hills for every man, woman, boy, and girl that are living in the bondage of the past. We must live with compassion. That we must ask God that we see people the way he sees them and not the way we see them. And then last of all, how then shall we live with hard sayings? Confidently, compassionately, with kindness, and then with conviction. As we've gone through this sermon this morning, I want to invite you to join us at Family of Grace. Join us in the task of penetrating the invisible barriers and helping us live with great confidence, with great kindness and compassion, and with great conviction. What God is looking for, as we've looked at in this sermon today, is people who will stand up. I want to ask you, would you move from being part of our television family to being on the front lines with us? Maybe you're not able to. Maybe you live too far. Maybe you're watching online weekly 
If that's the case, would you email us? Let us know and let us know where you are and what God's doing and how we can partner together to make a difference even from a distance. Thank you and I hope you will continue to live with great conviction, great compassion and great confidence in these perilous times.